on the TV, on the radio, and even social media, everyone has become a debater. Hot heads, hot takes, and lots of hot air are now the norm. But only one can be the master debater. This is Master Debaters from News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. And I'm Dennis Foley, and welcome to Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. Joining us this week, you can hear him each Saturday morning on the Saturday Morning Hangover. I'm San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 AM and 94.5 FM. James Pledger. Hey, James. Okay, James, our next debater brings you your sports headlines from Fox News Headlines 24-7 on Sirius XM Channel 115, Matt Napolitano. Hey, Matt. Hey, Dennis. How you doing? Good. And our third debater is a witty and punny columnist you can read in the Washington Post and WashingtonPost.com, Alexandra Petri. Hey, Alex. Hello. How's it going? Good. Now, they will all be presenting arguments in an effort to try to win over our judge, who this week is Alex from Long Island, New York. Hey, Alex. Hey, Dennis. How are you? Good. So uh, his job is to analyze and critique each response our contestants give to questions that I present throughout the show, along with asking some of these questions. I am also the show's referee, so if I hear something I don't like, I will play this whistle and take points away. So let's get started with the debates. Opening arguments. On Master Debaters. It is time for opening arguments. In this segment, I will give each combatant a question. That combatant answers the question, and our judge, Alex, will give them the score between 0 and 10 points. They will have 30 seconds for their argument, and a buzzer will let them know when that time is up. The first topic is one COVID-19 vaccine better than the other. The Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines are both highly effective, but new evidence suggests the Moderna vaccine may have an edge. In the first head-to-head comparison, researchers studied health records of veterans who got the shots and found Moderna offered a 21% lower risk of infection and a 41% lower risk of hospitalization. The study, published in the New England Journal of Medicine, focused on the initial alpha variant of the virus. That's correspondent Bradley Blackburn. You hear the other vaccine is more effective than the one you got. James Pledger, do you then have buyer's remorse? 30 seconds. Well, I mean, I'm definitely feeling a little bit um, slighted. I got the Pfizer. I got the Pfizer both shots and the booster. And now I'm hearing this info and... I I want them to double check their math because as someone who has been fully vaccinated for a while and now boosted, as far to my knowledge, I have not yet contacted COVID-19. So I'd like them to run the numbers again using my information from my own personal data. Alex, what score do you give that zero to ten? That's a fair answer. I'll, I'll give it a, a eight. Okay, next topic. Turns out a popular toy for toddlers has some very adult content. Dancing cactus toys. Babies and toddlers love them as they wriggle and sing in a number of languages. Unfortunately, the Polish language song turns out to be an explicit rap about cocaine and hopelessness with the opening lines the only thing in my head is five grams of cocaine a representative for the rapper says he had no idea the song was being used in a children's toy 
adding, he's disgusted. That's correspondent Vicki Barker. So, uh, Matt, what's the worst possible thing you can think of being inadvertently added to a toddler's toy? 30 seconds. Not where I thought we were going with this. I'm going to say uh, probably like any, I mean, like we always think about it with toddler's toys, you know, they say to like watch for any like sharp pieces or any kind of knives or anything. So I would suggest that, you know, possibly having like a ninja throwing star as a teething ring might be problematic for a child or, a t- or an infant uh, for that matter. Um, a little lost on the fact that a song about cocaine gets uh, through a, ta- a talking cactus and is just being like sold as on, in like the as seen on TV aisle at Bed Bath & Beyond. That's Kind of cool in my eyes, not going to lie. I feel like you usually got to do peyote to see a talking cactus. <laughs> Alex, what score do you give that 0 to 10? Well, as long as the song isn't Baby Shark, uh, I-, I would say <laughs> that's a pretty fair answer. I- I- I would, uh, I'll give him a 9. Okay, next topic, you can shower with Chipotle. There are two types of people in this world. Those who love cilantro and put it on everything, and those who think it tastes like soap. Well, now you can actually lather your body up with cilantro soap. Chipotle created the soap in response to the very polarizing herb. It's apparently a genetic thing. Roughly 14% of people are wired to think it really does taste like soap. Chipotle's bar is loaded with the fresh scent of cilantro. It costs 8 bucks. Uh, it's correspondent Stacey Lynn. So, uh, Alex, would you use this cilantro soap? 30 seconds. I'm not one of the people that it tastes like soap for. I don't think I would go to Chipotle and buy an $8 soap. I don't feel like that's their competitive advantage, even if it is flavored like the soapy cilantro. Um <laughs> I love that they refer to it as a controversial herb. More herbs should be described that way. Like, you know, Basil walks into a room and people just, like, shudder and run. I don't know. I, I like I like this energy for cilantro. I hope that it brings more of that to 2022. And I think I will give this to people I dislike. I think that's what I will do. I won't shower with it myself. All right, Alex. What score are you going to give Alex 0 to 10 for that? Uh, well, you know, I... I don't know. I, I, I think uh, oregano may be considered a controversial herb. Uh, I'll say a nine on that. Okay. Well, coming up, will things be getting a little more serious around here? Well, there's only one way to find out. Staying tuned right here to Master Debaters on KTSA. This is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. It is, and this week we have James Pledger, Matt Napolitano, and Alexander Petri, all competing to convince our judge, Alex, from Long Island, that their argument is the best argument. And if you want to be a judge, on a future edition of Master Debaters, head over to KTSA.com, the Master Debaters page, and sign up. So let's keep this debate going. For argument's sake on Master Debaters. In this part of the show, I give all three contestants the same question. They will then each take a turn presenting an argument on that topic. After they each take their 30 seconds to respond, our judge will then give each of them anywhere from 0 to 20 points for their responses. The first topic, Alec Baldwin breaking his silence with ABC's George Stephanopoulos on the deadly shooting in the set of his film Rust that killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins in October. 
recounting the moments leading up to the fatal incident and the questions left behind. Baldwin says he was receiving instructions from Hutchins during a rehearsal when the gun went off on its own. He says he had no reason to believe there were live rounds in the gun and says assistant director Dave Halls announced that the gun was cold. Well, cold gun means there's no charge in there. There could be dummy rounds. Halls told investigators he didn't know there were any live rounds in the gun. Halls' attorney also maintains Baldwin did not pull the trigger. Yeah, it's correspondent M. Wynn. We're going to start with James Pledger. How do you feel about Alec Baldwin doing a TV interview about this shooting? 30 seconds. I mean, I feel like you got to come out at some point and at least give your side of the story on what happened in, in a tragedy. But the fact that nobody pulled the trigger, that's the part where I'm having like a tough time understanding things. So the gun just went off by itself. Like I feel like there was probably a better way to handle an interview or at least bring more facts to the table, but I don't have a problem with the interview, more so how it was handled. Matt Napolitano, how do you feel about the TV interview? 30 seconds. I'd like to know who his lawyer is that thought this was a good idea to do, because what's going to happen now, a lot of civil lawsuits are going to be coming out of what went down on this Russ set, and that interview is going to be played back in courtrooms over and over again through a lot of litigation to determine who was at fault in all this. And Alec Baldwin, as a producer of this film, could be on hold for a lot of money to be paid out to people, including the family of Helena Hutchins. It was not the right move to make, and truthfully, he came off as more of a woe-is-me type character than owning up the responsibility for the failures on set. Alex, your thoughts? 30 seconds. I mean, I just think it's such an awful tragedy that Alina Hudgens lost her life because of this unsecured gun on set, regardless of what happened. And I think the interview may have been ill-advised, but what was really ill-advised is just like the fact that people think that you need to have a physical gun that might or might not contain live rounds on a set. Especially, I mean, if what he's saying is actually true, it's even more dangerous than everyone was already saying it was. I think the big takeaway from this is stop using actual guns on your movie set. It doesn't look that different or cooler, and it's really unsafe. All right, Judge Alex, what scores you to give all three of our debaters 0 to 20? Uh, pleasure, I'm gonna give, uh, about 15. Uh, Matt, I'm gonna give 18. And Alex, I'm gonna give 18 as well. Okay, next topic. The common phrases of the traveling dad do... Hold weight. It turns out he will turn this car around. According to a new survey from thedad.com, 77% of fathers take note of heavy traffic by saying, glad we're not going that way. And more than a third lament fellow drivers with the phrase, people don't know how to drive in this town. And when the backseat gets a bit rowdy, 30% of dads said that, yes, they actually have turned the car around. That's correspondent Diane King Hall. The survey also found... More than 50% of dads say, let's rock and roll when it's time to leave. So, we're going to start with Matt. What's the best or worst dad phrase that you could think of? 30 seconds. Oh, God. I'm thinking of, like, you know, all the things that my dad has ever screamed in traffic, and none of them I can say on air. They're all four-letter words. 
Um, you know, I can't really go on my own end on this. I will think back to there's something that my grandfather used to say behind the wheel, and it's when somebody would cut him off or somebody would make like an illegal turn or whatever, and he'd say, where'd they get these, their license uh, out of a box of Cracker Jacks? It's ridiculous, like referring to the booby prize. I, I, that one sticks with me, so I'm going to go with that one. The, the dad phrase, it's, it's just like, uh, uh, <laughs> this is stressing me out. Alex, do you have a best or worst dad phrase? 30 seconds. I feel like a classic dad phrase when you say, I'm hungry, and the per- the father responds, hi, hungry, I'm dad. Uh, I think that's a sort of unbeatable one. But I would like to say, this sort of bad pun joke, it's not just for, you know, male parents. It could be for anyone. I feel like puns keep getting restricted to men who are fathers. And any man and any person, indeed, can make such bad jokes. But yeah, uh dad always says, you're a poet, you don't know it, but your feet show it, they're long fellows, which is totally unintelligible to me, but I thought I'd throw that in. Pleasure. Uh, best or worst dad phrase, 30 seconds. Uh, my dad will love to scream arriba at the top of his lungs when we would cheers and drink, and that one always felt a little out of place to me, <laughs> especially since we are a mainly white family. So that was one that always fell hard on me, but it was Dado. So you always just went along with what he said. Dab puns are just a part of it. I'm pretty sure once I hit a certain age and have kids, I'm also going to speak in puns for some reason. All right, Alex, the judge. What scores you want to give out? Zero to 20 for the best and worst dad phrases. Well, this is, this is tough because, um, like, like Matt, uh, my dad, you know, there's really nothing that we can say on air uh, that that he, that he said. Uh, it's just unrepeatable, uh, especially in the car. Um, I'm, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to give Matt 20 points. Uh, I'm going to give uh, Alex uh, uh, 17 points. And I'm going to give Fledger uh, 18. Okay, next topic. Former President Donald Trump is speaking out about the economy, abortion, and whether he'll run in 2024. The former president feels the economy has gone backwards since his time in office. Inflation, we had it down to 1%. It's perfect. You want a little tiny inflation, but you can't have it now. What Now we have the biggest, the worst inflation in 40 years. We were energy independent, and now we're begging OPEC to send us gasoline and oil. Trump speaking to WIOD as the nation faces a December 15th deadline to raise the debt limit or face default. When asked if he would run in 2024, Trump says he He's made a decision, but didn't elaborate on whether or not he would seek another term in the White House. Will Altoff, Miami. All right, so we're going to start with Alex. Which medium is the best medium for interviews? Would you say podcast, radio, TV, newspaper? 30 seconds. <laughs> that's, so that's totally unrelated to the clip we just listened to. <laughs> Which seemed to be, to me, it sounded like Donald Trump was talking, but instead we're talking about, like, mediums. Well, I think, honestly, any medium where you can... Uh, I like a good podcast interview because then you can hear how long the person pauses before they say the thing. Uh, but, but TV also works because you can see the face. Some people have faces that are good to look at. I mean, classic text interview because then you can read what word they thought they were saying or like a misspelled version that you think might be the word. There's a lot of different good types of interview. I have to say, I'm still blindsided by this question. Pleasure. Best medium for interviews. 30 seconds. 
seeing as this is currently airing on the radio on 550 KTSM and FM 1071, I'm going to go with radio. Also, radio allows long forum types of interviews. Radio and podcasts, I do believe, are the best places for that. TV feels very shady and that there are agendas in place. And I do like the freedom that both radio and podcasts give you in order to speak and listen and discern what you're gathering informationally. Matt Napolitano, which medium is best medium for interviews? 30 seconds. I don't know if there's necessarily a best medium. I think the best thing is a live interview. You can't blame anything on the edit. It's all happening right then and there, the questions that are being asked and what is being replied. And you really can't get better than that because, you know what, somebody can be caught off the spot and they slip up and they say something that's out of line. And guess what? It's part of the news cycle for the next 24 hours, if not longer, after that. So, you know what? Choose whichever medium you want. But in the words of Bill O'Reilly, quit live. Judge Alex, what scores you want to give out for those best medium, 0 to 20? Um... Uh... Well, Alex didn't really uh, answer the question, uh, <laughs> mostly because she was blindsided. So I'm going to have to give her uh, six points. Um, uh, pleasure uh, gets a deduction for pandering. Uh, so he's <laughs> yeah. going to get uh, 14 points. And uh, Matt actually got the right answer. It's uh, the live interview is is fine, whatever medium it is, but it's got to be live uh, because you don't want to uh, edit, which is what Dennis will probably do to my answer to this question. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to give him 20 points. Okay, then maybe I will, maybe I won't. You have to listen to find out, I guess, <laughs> or maybe you are listening now and. Oh, it's getting... Uh, my, my head's starting to hurt. So... We'll see what the debaters have to present to the judge. Coming up next, the Master Debaters from KTSA. This is Master Debaters from 550 KTSA and FM 1071. I'm Dennis Foley. Joining us this week, we have James Pledger, Matt Napolitano, and Alexandra Petrine, who are all working to coerce or judge Alex from Long Island, New York, to give them more points than their fellow competitors. So let's keep this debate going. State your case on Master Debater. So our competitors before the show came up with a topic that they wanted to talk about and present to our judge. They will get 60 seconds to do exactly that. During those 60 seconds, if the other combatants wish to challenge... They will get 30 seconds each after the case is done being presented. After those challenges, the original presenter, they get to rebut with 30 seconds. If they change their topic for what they had sent in before the show, I'm going to give an automatic five-point penalty. There's also a broader range of points at stake in this round. Our judge can now give up to 20 points or can take away up to 20 points from everyone, whether they present a story, challenge it, or choose to stay quiet. So, do you guys want to guess who our points leader is at this point in the show? Alex. No. I think the leader is Matt. I think the yeah, loser Matt. is Alex. <laughs> the correct answer <laughs> is Matt. So, Matt, you get to start with your 60-second argument. 
So former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo found himself back under fire this week with the release of the findings of an investigation by New York State Attorney General Letitia James looking into allegations of sexual harassment that really forced Cuomo out of office. And what we're learning from this is that his brother, CNN host Chris Cuomo, was helping out a lot more behind the scenes with his brother's case than was led to believe. In fact, in one case, he was doing what's referred to as oppo research on some of the harassment accusers that were coming after his brother. I get wanting to defend family. You know, it makes sense. It's in your blood to want to defend your own. That being said, what Chris Cuomo did while still having his own program and having his journalistic powers entail to track down sources to follow these women was far crossing the line ethically. It was not called for. If he was going to help his brother out in these circumstances, he should have backed away from CNN, should have stepped away from the program and like, look, I'm stepping away from my show for a month and go away from this. The fact that he was allowed to maintain on air as while well, all this was going on behind the scenes is just absolutely sickening to me. Alex, 30 second challenge. This is more of a, I just wanted to talk because I feel like talking is sometimes good. Then I completely agree. I think this is a great argument and you're correct. I think... The fact that it went on for so long before and everyone was like, oh, you know, it'll be cute if he interviews his brother. This sort of weird blurring where like one of the things that Cuomo was saying when the governor one was when he was defending himself was like, you know, he just had this like family atmosphere, which is code for like my workplace is a nightmare. And so like having to be like, am I being interviewed by CNN or am I talking to my brother? Am I at work or am I like hanging out with friends like this chaos led to bad stuff? Uh, Matt, 30 second rebuttal. Nothing to really rebut there. I think we're all kind of on the same page. The fact that we went through this whole time period and early in the COVID crisis of Cuomo sexuals and people trying to like make him the hero, the savior of the pandemic, when in reality, so much was going on behind closed doors, was going on so much inappropriate interactions. On top of all that, the crisis that was happening within nursing homes where people who were the most susceptible to this virus were essentially left to die, unable to be able to contact their own families. There's so much wrong with what Andrew Cuomo has done, and justice is seemingly to finally be served. All right. So, Judge Alex, what scores you want to give Matt, Alex, and James, for his lack of argument, negative 20 to 20? Uh, well, James, uh, I'm not awarding or taking away for getting staying out of it. Uh, Matt, uh, Alex came in with just really an, an agreement, not not necessarily a rebuttal or a new it's not a challenge, thought, but I, I, our yeah, or a real challenge to it. Uh, I, I'll 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 give her five points, you know, for ringing in. Uh, yeah. And Matt is <laughs> Matt is pretty much is pretty much on the money uh, as far as you know a massive conflict of interest. Uh, and 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 an ethical nightmare. Uh, I, I will award him uh, eighteen points. Okay, James, it's your turn with your sixty-second argument. Well, it is finally the time of year where we can talk about the Christmas season, and when is the appropriate time to start celebrating the Christmas season. I do, do believe now that we're 
finally past Thanksgiving, it is time to actually celebrate Christmas rather than when we first start seeing things in October or I heard some Christmas music in Target in August or see Hallmark movies playing Christmas movies in July. That is way too soon. Stop skipping holidays. Two of my favorite holidays are Halloween and Thanksgiving due to the dressing up and the gorging on food. Like these things are things that as Americans, we should love. Like, that's part of being an American is gordon yourself on food. So I don't understand the rush to get to Christmas before it's even time for Christmas. Let's enjoy the holidays in the order that they're presented to us. And once we're finally past those, we can start decorating, pulling things out, of putting uh, up trees. Matt with the first challenge, 30 seconds. I just want to start off by saying I'm glad we started with my topic before we <laughs> before we end up going into this after talking about Christmas. Uh, total side note, you know, I think, you know, it gets ridiculous each more each year how early. I mean, I recall going to my local CVS and Christmas trees were already going up. Halloween didn't even happen yet. Look, I, I'm not the biggest Christmas person. People know me. I'm not a huge Christmas person. That being said... To me, it's always been carve the turkey, next day the tree goes up and you want to start the holiday season, playing all the music, be my guest, but come on, give it a little breather. I can't listen to Mariah Carey that much. Alex, your 30-second challenge. I just think you're living in the past. The war on Christmas has always been an offensive war waged by Christmas on all other holidays, and it won. I think, like, unfortunately... It starts when it wants to start. It starts the only thing that it's that's still fighting Christmas is pumpkin spice latte season, which starts in August now. And I think the problem with the Christmas creep is there's no good music that Halloween, frankly, or Thanksgiving has. So the radio is really tempted to play the Christmas hits. And yes, it's torment, but I think it's a lost cause. James, your 30-second rebuttal. It's not a lost cause. It has its time, just like everything else. The music doesn't revolve around just being music. It revolves around the holiday, and the holiday doesn't start until you get to the other two holidays. That's the whole point of Christmas, is you start the Christmas season after Thanksgiving, when you've given your thanks, being with your family and friends, and want to gouge your eyes out by the time you're finally done spending all that time with your family and friends. So... Let it have its time and quit trying to force it down my throat so early. Okay, Judge Alex, what scores are you giving negative 20 to 20? Well, this is tough because as one who uh, doesn't celebrate Christmas, uh, but whose Hanukkah started two days after Thanksgiving, uh, I, I, I see I see your, your dilemma. Uh Personally, I'm in agreement that everything does have its time and its place, and that and the Christmas season should start, you know, after Thanksgiving. Uh, but I know that that's not the way that the world and marketing and uh, and well, unbridled capitalism works. Uh, so I'm going to give James. Uh, I'm going to give James. 19 points because uh, he was right right you know right on the timing uh, I'm gonna give Alex uh, 12 points and I'm gonna give Matt uh, 
I'll also give him 12 points. Okay. Alex, it's your turn for your argument. 60 seconds. All right, so two days ago, we had a celebration of this new fangled holiday, which is Spotify Wrapped Day, which everyone gets all excited about how they're going to be sharing their Spotify Wrapped. And I think this is a scam. I think every time Netflix or Spotify or one of these places that's just been harvesting my data all year long has a special bonanza day when I'm supposed to share even more data and be like excited that it's been tracking my every movement, all the most embarrassing things I've listened to, all the weird Googles I've done in moments of weakness, and this is like a bonanza fun, cheerful day when we're all supposed to be relishing how much data they've captured. I think it's a bad, bad bombing as they say in Star Wars episode Episode one, uh, and I've apparently added to my lexicon. I think I also think this because I'm unfortunately a YouTube music subscriber, and so I have slight sour grapes because they don't do anything like this. They have like a sad little thing that will tell you what your stats were. James Pledger, the first challenge, thirty seconds. Here's the thing. Spotify wrapped is dumb in the first place anyway. Who needs to be reminded of what they're listening to? I know what I've been listening to. I've got a pretty good idea of what's at the top of my playlist throughout the year. I don't need Spotify to come remind me. I know what's good. I know what's there. I know what's in my bank and I know what's in my playlist. And if I want to go back to something mentally, I can do that. I don't need Spotify to remind me so that I can then share it to the masses. I can do that at any point in time throughout the year that I want because I know what I listen to. Matt, 30 second challenge. What I don't get is wanting to tout some of those numbers. Like I've seen people post that you listen to Taylor Swift, 6,600 minutes this year. It's like you've wasted nearly five days listening to all too well 10 minute version. How many times? This is, I, I don't need to know that you're basic. I, I, I know that already. I've seen your Instagram. Like, I've seen you during the fall season, during pumpkin spice latte season. I've seen you around Christmas time. That's all I need to know that you're basic. I don't need numerical information from Spotify to back that up. You know, maybe I too have some sour grapes. I'm an Apple Music subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, your 30 second rebuttal. No, I would just say, James, I'm amazed that you have. Ability to recollect anything you've done in the past year. Uh, my brain is soup at all times, and I honestly would appreciate being told that, which I realize is now co contradicting my entire argument. So I take it back. I hate it and I'm mad about it. Um, and furthermore, uh, I think Taylor Swift is gaming the system which is why she has a 10-minute-long all-too-well version, because suddenly you spend a much longer percentage of your life listening to her detail everything that went wrong with Jake and the scarf, uh, and then her numbers go up. So before I go to Judge Alex, would you judge someone for the music that is on their playlist or whatever the Spotify rap thing is? Not more than myself. Matt or James? Not more than myself, yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely judging people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Judge Alex, what scores are you giving out? Negative 20 to 20. Well, you know, it is Christmas. Uh, and I, I, I just wonder, at what point are we going to be giving... Spotify money not to post what we've been listening to. <laughs> like, like a ransom, almost. Uh, I, I, 
you know what? It is Christmas. Uh, I'm going to be nice. 20 points to everybody. Okay. Well, coming up, who is going to win? Someone's going to win. Find out who it is. Next, this is Master Debaters from KTSA. From 550 KTSA and FM 1071, this is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. That argument ends right here, right now. It's a battle this week between James Pledger, Matt Napolitano, and Alexandra P. trying to convince our judge, Alex, from Long Island, New York, that their argument is the best argument. But now it comes down to one final fight. Closing arguments on Master Debaters. So this is where it all gets decided in a four-minute melee. I'm going to give a topic, and our three contestants will hash it out for four minutes. Now, at the sound of the final buzzer, our judge will give each combatant up to 100 points or can take away up to 100 points. The person with the fewest points right now will get a 15-second head start, and then everyone else can join in after a bell has rung. So you guys want to guess who has the fewest points right now? Is it me? I think it might be Alex. Correct answer is Alex. So the topic... $600,000 in missing donations to Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church in Houston may have been recovered. A plumber found an undisclosed amount of money while doing repairs to a bathroom. That plumber, whose name is Justin, called into KILT, the Bull Morning Radio Show, and reported what he found. Went to go remove the toilet, and I moved some insulation away, and uh, about 500 envelopes fell out of the wall. And I was like, oh, wow. Now, mind you, he just called into the radio station during a segment they were doing. It wasn't, you know, anything more direct than that. And the Lakewood Church would not give any details on the money that was found, but did report it to Houston police. So the question, what would you have done in this situation if you found a bunch of envelopes full of money inside a wall while you're working? And would you have called into a radio show to admit that this had happened to you? Alex gets a 15-second head start. It's four minutes, which begins right now. I would say I wouldn't call into the radio show because, in general, I don't call into a ton of radio shows. Uh, but no shade to radio, though. Radio is a great medium. Um, however, I would say after seeing both this happen and when the truck on the that was going down the interstate and suddenly a bunch of money flew out of it and people were like just picking it up and apparently you're not supposed to do that like if you can see the truck the money falls off of that's like a felony or something which i thought if like there's free money in front of you you can take it this is just like a bonanza but apparently there's not always uh money in the bonanza stand uh for people in this situation so i think i certainly wouldn't document in any way that i had taken the money uh, either by calling into a radio station uh, or by putting myself on Instagram in a video being like, check out all this money I found from the truck. That being said, <laughs> would I take it? I think the, the, the bigger question is, yeah, I wouldn't document it, but would I take it? And I don't know. I like <laughs> to think I wouldn't. I also think that if you're taking it from the Lakewood Church of Joel Austin, you're probably yes. doing something better with it than it would have yes. been doing there. So <laughs> probably that's a net positive for the world. Uh, that's what, that's what I would say when arranged. Here's the thing, thinking. Alex. 
budget. Go ahead, Blake. If, if you wouldn't take it, I would. Because let's get this right. Joel Olstein has got money hidden in his walls. That screams to me whether he's either stealing for the church, embezzling, like he is doing something illegal. And he is not going to report any of that money that goes missing because that money that is then going missing would incriminate himself. So that is basically free money for you to have. If I'm the plumber in that instance, that money is coming out of the walls. That wall is being patched up and I am going to my new house in uh, Bermuda. If you want to make yourself feel pretty decent, like, you know what, take some of that money and donate it to an actual charity so you know that it's actually going towards a good effort, towards a nonprofit. So this way it'll make you feel a little bit of peace of mind. I think it all matters for me in the circumstance of where you're taking it from. If I'm taking it from the Lakewood Church, I'm going to be able to sleep that night. I'm going to feel good about myself. I'm going to feel like (laughs) I did a good deed. Okay? I did a service to my country. As opposed to like, if this is like, you know, this is happens at like, you know, at my grandparents' house, I'm going to feel like really bad about this. I'm going to have questions. I'm going to ask what's going on here, <laughs> but I'm not going to steal just yet from my grandmother because that I'm going to really have a hard time dealing with myself after that. That's all I'm going to say. No, I think that context is so key. It's like, well, what are you doing with your charitable donations? Well, we are bricking them up in the bathroom. It's like, <laughs> why don't you just burn it or flush it? Like, at least that's the traditional way of taking money from people and doing literally worse than nothing with it. Uh, but I guess, yeah, it's very on brand for Lakewood. So and now I'm feeling better. I'm, I'm in. Let's all take the money. Here's yeah, the I, thing. I, I think we, we know why right he locked the doors the to the church during the flood now is he didn't want anybody getting into the walls in there. That's the true. The, Imagine the you're in the church you're using the restroom and suddenly money starts falling out and you're like, this is a miracle. And they're like, no, no, not like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who needs J.J. Watts donations? We have this. <laughs> I guess you could say they're I flush mean, with cash. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. There's the nap pun. I mean, we knew the puns were going to come from Alex. I mean, it's, it's in a resume. I know. When you have to look to the bathroom for your humor, the writing's on the wall. Uh, I'm so going. sorry. I think <laughs> it's too funny. I don't know why. I think we're all, like, delirious and sleep deprived. It's It's great. By the way, I have to give Alex kudos for the Arrested Development reference. <laughs> it was convoluted, but it happened. Yeah, it was, but I, I appreciate the attempt. But there's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> Judge Alex, are there points in your point stand? What do you think oh, of those arguments? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm listening to all this. Uh, the whole thing just screamed of arrested development to me. Um, <laughs> I... I uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough one because yeah if, if if I'm working on a church and I'm and then I find money in the walls of the church, I'm questioning what's going on in that church. Um, <laughs> but uh, but this is Joel Osteen's church, and we all know nothing positive's coming out of that. Um, so mm, the points. Let's see. Uh, Alex did very well, um, but then she made the terrible puns at the end. Uh, <laughs> so 
I'm going to give her, uh, oh, let's see. Oh, we're, we're going to 100 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 94 points. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give uh, Pletcher uh, 72 points. And I'm going to give Matt 86 points. All right. I like how uh, our judge docking points on a show that's title is a pun. <laughs> Just saying. Do, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> well, after a series of very serious discussions on a variety of topics, it's time to name this week's Master Debater. In third place, with 166 points, James Pledger. In second place, with 181 points, Alexandra Petri, which means this week's Master Debater with 203 points, Matt Napolitano. Congratulations. You get to celebrate with 60 seconds in the winner circle. That begins right now. All right. Wow. Um, that was not expecting a win today. Thank you so much uh, to both my fellow competitors. This was a lot of laughs and a lot of sleep deprivation all around, it feels like, so I really, really enjoyed the shared atmosphere on that. Uh, to everybody out there, wishing you Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. You know, it's been a crazy one, 2021, a fast one at that, but you know what? We're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and getting back to a little bit of normality in our lives, so really take the time to be safe about it, take every step cautiously, but you know what? We're getting closer to being back where we used to be, but let's be a better version of ourselves going into 2022. Whatever it takes to do something nice for somebody else, don't hesitate to do that. If you want to take an extra step in your career, be motivated and take that leap. There's a new endless bound of possibilities coming our way in 2022, so soak it all in and enjoy it. That was inspirational. That was nice. Very wholesome. Yeah. I, I feel like my argument was flushed. Interesting. Well, that's it. Big thanks to our three contestants. James Pledger from San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 AM and 94.5 FM. Matt Napolitano from Fox News Headlines 24-7 on Sirius XM Channel 115. And Alexandra Petri from the Washington Post and WashingtonPost.com. And a big thanks to our judge, Alex, from Long Island, New York. Master Debaters is a production of XS Studios in KTSA San Antonio. Learn more about Master Debaters online at KTSA.com. I'm Dennis Foley, and this has been Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. San Antonio's home for news and talk. On air, online, and on demand. 550 KTSA and FM 1071.